The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. It is the Hard Shoulder. It's Anton Savage with you this evening, and I'm joined by Larry Donnelly, who's director of the Kennedy Summer School and law lecturer at the University of Galway, and Mary McCarthy, columnist with the Irish Independent to give us this afternoon's update on all of the things we're talking about. And I suppose where we have to start is the weather this morning, Mary, because there will be a whole lot of people around the country going, it was fine. And there will be some people who had to dig their way through to work through the capital city saying it was a car crash, often literally. For me, it was the perfect snow day because we had a lovely walk to school with loads of snowballs. We ran through front gardens that hadn't been touched And then I got to school and the school was open and I dropped them off and I went home and it was perfect. So we had a little bit of snow, snow time in the morning and then they went into school. We did get an email from the school around noon saying, if you want to come down and pick up your kids, you can. So we all just ignored that. But I I think like the kids, you know, they'll get a bit this afternoon. But I, I think like closing the schools... It's, 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 it's a real hindrance. It's a real, you know, trouble for a lot of people. I didn't think it was too bad. The, the traffic was bad in Ranelagh this morning, but this poor woman, her car had broken down on the triangle there. So that was the cause of it. And then also people were going slower, obviously. But so the traffic was bad. But like walking around, actually, our, the roads around our area was, were OK. There was like great on the road. So it was OK. Well, it was funny. I was on my way in uh, this morning and I, I was um, sitting on the seafront road in uh, Marino. And I was listening to the Pat Kenny show and a report came in from the news saying, and the roads are particularly bad in the Merino, Calester, Clontarf area. I was thinking, by God, you can sing it because it was sort of three inches thick of solid ice. I mean, never mind slush, ice and all that went with it. This, of course, is significant if you are uh, Irish born and bred. If you are like Larry, you grew up in a situation where you had to shovel your car out in the mornings and you think we're, you're, he basically thinks we're wusses for even talking about the weather at this kind of situation. Well, no, I mean, I, I, oh, no, I, would, no, I, mean, I, I wouldn't say that. The only thing I say when I'm here is, you know, I absolutely despise the snow. The mere mention of the word gets me angry, nervous, panicky, etc. because of all the things you just said, Anton. And one of the things I always hope after days like today is people here always say the snow isn't it lovely uh i just i pray every time that something like this happens and that people will recall whether they were on foot in their car on a bus on their train what a pain it is to get around on these sorts of days and come back to one of life's immutable truths which is that snow sucks is there not a certain kind of snow? I was led to believe that the American Northeast came with large drifts where you could make snow angels and it was a relatively dry snow and it was all very romantic. You can, and that's great if you're a kid who has the day off school, like Mary said, you know, and you can torture your parents and everything else and have that great fun. But then when you get to be a big old grown up old person and you have to go to work and you have to do everything else, despite that snow, uh, it quickly makes you hate it. Uh, and so I'm firmly in the snow hater camp. And I can always remember 2010 when we did have a decent amount of snowfall here and everybody was out frolicking, et cetera, in the snow. And my wife was raging with me because I was locked in the house and said, I am not going out in that. It reminds me too much of bad days at home. <laughs> Well, we're joined by Aoife Keeley, who is from Med Erin, to give us a sense of what is ahead of us for the commute home this afternoon. Before that, Aoife, were you caught slightly on the back foot with the prediction of the snow? No, so I suppose the uh, the sleet and snow uh, has been in the forecast um, really through, through this week with the, the kind of mention of rain as well. Um, you know, yesterday there was 
a, a warning issued for the persistent rain with a mix of sleet and snow at times. Um, it was quite a, quite a borderline situation, so we did expect that kind of the the wintry mix to to fall, so that rain, sleet, and snow. Um, but so I suspect I when people hear that kind of forecast, they think, well, that's something that will just turn into gick and I can still get to work. Whereas footpaths impassable, roads almost impassable, cars sliding around, people unable to take their bicycles to work, all of that stuff, that was probably bigger than people expected, was it? It, it may have been, you know, I, I suppose that the big thing is, you know, when when a yellow warning is, is issued, you know, there was one issued um, late last night um, for the, the snow and ice in northern areas at first and then um, for other southern counties. Um, you know, snow is, is very impactful. Um, so it's, it's important, I guess, not to, to disregard uh, those those yellow warnings. And, and even for the rest of today, um, you know, the, we do have still have that, that yellow warning for snow and ice over the southern half of the country. Um, but the, the rain, sleet, snow mixture will gradually clear to the south. The only thing with that is when people are maybe heading home this evening or so on, um, because the surfaces are already wet or slushy in places, like you said yourself, you know, the, the footpaths and so on even, um, have already been covered with that bit of sleet, snow or rain. As the temperatures drop off now tonight, there is um, that potential for for ice in many areas. So even if the the snow isn't falling anymore, it is still going to be very treacherous if anybody's getting out and about. So is your expectation, because obviously people will be looking now and thinking, right, if I made it into work, how am I going to find my way home? Is it going to be the bus? Will I risk taking the car? Will I take the bicycle? Are conditions in terms of ice and the treacherousness of the roads and paths likely to be as bad for the afternoon commute as they were for the morning commute? They, in places, they, they probably will not be just as bad as the snow is not actively falling. So that means the visibility will be a little bit better, particularly we'll see in uh, parts of North Leinster, Donegal, so on. Um, now that it has cleared, it, it means that there has been a bit of melt. There's that better visibility there. So if people are, we say, driving or cycling, whatever it is, um, it may be a bit easier. But it is still important just to... Uh, take that bit of care when the road temperatures are so low um, just to to be quite cautious about it. And as you said there, you know, if there is any ice or anything like that, if you are driving, cycling, the the most important thing is to take it handy and, and get where you're going safe, you know. Eva, thank you very much. That's Eva Keeley from uh, Met Air. And I have to say on the on the way in this morning, seeing a couple of guys from Deliveroo and Just Eat out on the bicycles, I was thinking, by God, that is a tough way mm-hmm. to earn a living today. On the subject of, of earning a living, uh, the news today, the economy has shrunk by 3.2%, which conver- confirms that we are in a recession. But Mary, we're in a, one of those GDP recessions rather than a GNI recession. And because the Irish economy is weird, that doesn't really matter. It's totally technical, so it's, we're not actually in recession. So there's weaker global demand and that's, so the multinational sector, that's been affected. But actually, what is, like, what is GDP? Our, our economy is measured by GDP and that's spending, right? So the lion's share of spending is consumer spending and that actually rose. So um, modified domestic demand is uh, when you take out the kind of multinational effects, uh, uh, the influence and that said the spending actually rose like not by a huge amount only very slightly but so we, we I think we so technically we are in recession because we've had four quarters of 
slowing down. But it's all to do with the multinational. It's not. So reading between the lines, Larry, Apple and Pfizer had a bit of a bad year in terms of uh, product sales and we're feeling it in our GDP numbers. Yeah, perhaps. But the, the, the worry is uh, how much more broadly might we feel it? I mean, the reality is we've been reliant so to such a great extent uh, on multinational investment. And indeed, uh, at a personal level, uh, how many people are around this country are dependent upon multinationals to pay the mortgages, to pay the bills, etc. Any contraction in their activity is deeply worrying, however small uh, it may be. And the, the other thing I'd say is um, recession, you know, depression or good times, whatever it might be. Uh, I think you'd have a hard time telling people that the economy is doing great. Those people who are desperately trying to get on the property ladder. Uh, I think that'd be a difficult case to make, no matter how good of a job they have or how well they're being paid. Although to some extent, and I know this seems like a, a both a cruel and a counterintuitive thing to say, but to some extent, is this not what we, economically speaking, needed? Because we had a, a, a very uh, pro-cyclical inflationary cycle. We had infl- inflation rising like mad. When that happens, the ECB yanks on the reins and the express, well, not the express, but the implicit intent in that is that you do cause a recession, that you cause economic contraction and down comes inflation. Absolutely. And that's what any economist would tell you absolutely needs to happen uh, at macro level. But uh, still, I just worry about the, the human costs and the individuals who are affected. In other news, um, the uh, we discovered this week that uh, grandparents, while they are apparently willing to be helpful and uh, eager to spend time with their grandchildren and be as supportive as they can, deep down they resent it deeply. There's a piece in the Irish Examiner, my retirement is being ruined because I'm expected to mind my seven grandchildren. Do we expect too much of grandparents, Mary? <laughs> Well, my in-laws moved to France, I think, to avoid all of us because they've, there's 11 kids and they, and they everyone has a, like a few babies each. So there's over 40 of them. And I, I reckon that's my theory anyway. No, I'm only 40 joking. 40 grandkids in total. And then a lot of them are grown up now. So Still. But, but it's a lot. But I see it with my own parents. So my, my dad is 80, well, nearly 80. My mom is late 70s. And I do... I feel bad now when, like, I, I, I don't leave them with them that, that often, but I do feel bad when I have to because they, they do, they're tired, you know. A day with a seven-year-old playing football, they are tired. And at the school, you do see a lot of grandparents, although now in a bad day, I could probably pass for a grandparent myself. But, um, you, like, you do see more grandparents picking up. And, I mean, it's the kids bound out, they're bouncing around, and you've got, you know grandparents in their late 70s they just look a little bit exhausted you know but do you know what there's a problem with the childcare system like we don't the primary schools are running the assumption that one parent is at home you know that's but is that because the parents to some extent are exploitative of their own parents is there a tendency to say ah sure I'll just give mam or dad a call and I'm sure they'll be available sure aren't they retired there's a little bit of that going on, a little bit, but for a lot of people, they actually don't have any other choice. Like if they were to pay a childminder, they just wouldn't earn enough, you know. And then also maybe their kids, you know, there's a friend of mine, one of her sons, he's autistic and he won't actually go with anyone else but the, the his grandmother. And the grandmother now is exhausted. But so, you know, I, I think it's a bit of both. And I've definitely been guilty of I'm going to go to the gym can I drop the kids I've got a really important interview you know there is definitely a bit of that going on Well in the wake of the, the piece being published a number of people are suggesting that one solution is to put this on a professional footing and pay the grandparents 
well, off the books, I hope. I mean, that might be that might be the way to do it. Um, look, I, I think that there's there's a there's a fine line. I think most parents know there's a fine line between when, you know, you're asking your parents to, to help out and you know they're willing to do so versus when you're kind of pushing the envelope a little bit. Uh, I just have to say. Uh, oh, I don't know. There's a lot of grandparents who do the. Oh, I'm delighted to. And you don't know that they're going home. <laughs> on but you should know your, you should know your own parents well enough to know when they say what they're saying and what they mean, if they mean what they mean. I can only say that. Uh, uh, you know, as an older parent, and you know, my wife and I were both older. Uh, we never got the chance to engage in such elder abuse. So I suppose there's some gender, there's some jealousy here at work as well. See, if we put this on a professional footing, you could rent somebody else's grandparent for this purpose. Uh, we were talking earlier on about the weather. While holidaying in Leipzig, Germany, we had to take two trams, then walk through minus 21 degrees to meet friends at a local aqua centre. Even in these terrible conditions, there were 200 people there enjoying the pool, sauna and steam room at five o'clock in the evening. Another, I'm with Larry on the snow front. Um, hang on a minute. Let me find exactly why he's with you. I'm with Larry in the snow front. I lived in NYC for 20 years and I spent too many days shoveling the sidewalk. And they are far bigger in America. None of your little mealy mad pats out there. But I now live in Bellin Medina in the Costa del Sol and snow is a distant memory. It's 20 degrees right now, so I can't complain. Well, thanks so much for letting us know. We're I think I'll, I think I'll book a holiday you. this evening. <laughs> and one final one that I can get your views on before we move on, because this, of course, is the, the referendum commission has been out. There's been a lot of discussion around the upcoming yes or no votes, depending on your side of things. And the critical question is the one posed in this text. Can you settle a bet in my own head? Numerous ads on all week about voting in the upcoming referendums. But I would have thought that the plural of referendum is referendi. What's your valued view on this, Anton, says Mick. Well, setting my view aside, Mick, Mary, where do you stand on I is a new introduction, dum, I or ah? I'd say I. Wow. Larry? Dums. It's oh, it's, you say that with a great... That, that's a man who has a reasoning. Well, I did, I did my first degree in Latin and Greek, and it dums, it da is... I, I can't remember the exact reason. I wish I had done my homework before I got here, and it's a long time since I did my degree. But dums is actually, you're on safer territory with dums. I think it is to do with the, the Latin plural of dumb in this context not being da, and it is now an English yeah, word. It's a, I think it's a gerund or a gerund of, and I can't remember exactly, so I don't want <gasps> to get this wrong. The I, don't, I, I don't want to get this wrong, and I know <laughs> classical scholars will be on to correct me in a second. Well, there you go, Mick. Who knew you'd get such a high-end analysis as that? And if anybody else has a view, 53106, or you can get us uh, at 087-1400-106 on WhatsApp text on the grandparents. There's no way I'd be able to work if it wasn't for my mother taking my kids. It's part of life now. I hate to say it, but it's nearly expected if they're in a position to do so. This goes back to why why move uh, to a different country. The problem is people are having kids older, so now grandparents themselves are older and that puts them under a lot of pressure. Well, big thank you to uh, Larry Donnelly, Director of the Kennedy Summer School and Law Lecturer at the University of Galway. Likewise to Mary McCarthy, columnist with the Irish Independent. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.